Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, December 31st, and this is episode 52. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. We're going to wrap the year up. That's right. It's 2017 year-end review, Tony. I know. We put it in right at the right time. I mean, it's the actual last day of the year. That's that's, that's pretty good perfect. We didn't have to do anything fancy to make it work out that way. No, either. no. Uh, and we're live in person again. Yes. Not, not live to the audience because we don't that, do that. Yeah, no, we don't do that. This is a podcast. This isn't radio. But uh, so it's been two weeks since our prior episode. And we'll go ahead and do our intro. What's been going on? Um, I have an addiction. Mm, yes. It, it's terrible. Um, I have... All of these beautiful games from Christmas and from before, you know, Breath of the Wild, beautiful game, lots of fun. You spoke highly of it at last episode. Um, I also picked up off the Steam sale The Long Dark, which is a survival horror game. Yeah, I've heard of that. Should be playing some more of that. I got a couple other things in my thing I should be playing. Um, I, I, I picked up another one of those spreadsheety. Not in space, though. No, no, this one's not spreadsheets <laughs> in space. This this one is spreadsheets in nineteen hundred naval policy. So <laughs> uh, you you basically I I play the head of a major nation naval setup from nineteen hundred to nineteen twenty five. It's called Rule the Waves, and it is very much the graphics could full on. I could see these graphics on an old. 46. I mean, it mm. is. Okay. It looks like just old, like Windows 3.1 panels that are up in front of you, <laughs> uh, that you work with. I mean, it's, it's, I can't, I, I, something about this style of game is just, I spent like three hours the other day just staring and tweaking a ship to get it just right and decided, I'm going to wait a couple more months to see what new technology I get and just erased it mm. and kept going. So I don't know. I don't know what it is about this style of game. This 4X. This isn't even a 4X, really. This just th- this type of game, like Aurora 4X or 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 Rule the Waves or this type of game, man. There's something about them that just really gets their hooks in me. So I haven't played a lot of Breath of the Wild. Like I have. I mean, I've played some, but not as much as I should because I've been sitting here staring, going, "Hmm, I, I wonder if this would be better if I went to five inch guns instead of four inch guns." I was just thinking while you were describing that and, and your comparison to Aurora, uh, I don't think we've ever defined 4X on the podcast, and I don't know if all the listeners know what that means. That's uh, a valid point. A 4X game is uh, expand, explore, exterminate, and ex- something else that I... And excel. I don't remember what the fourth one is. Basically, it's like civilization games, mm, right? Or a lot of the uh, RTS style. Right, it's a strategy format. Yeah, but I just I just thought about that. And I was like, you know, historically, it wasn't a term I ever used. What so. is it now? It's it, it's it's explore, expand, exterminate is the last one. What exchange? is exchange? I don't think it's exchange. Exclaim! Exclaim! <laughs> Excelsior! I'm right. My lexicon is getting limited. Yeah, it's uh, explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. Exploit, okay. It's exploit. Well, that makes it sound very negative. Yeah. Okay. Because that was that was the the term was coined by Alan Emrich in his September 1993 review of Master of Orion, the original Master mm, of Orion. Yeah. 
You played a lot of Moo 2. I played I a ton of Moo 2. Yes. I I did not play those games. Well, so, you know, the spread, actually, and maybe it'll highlight when we do a plan for our next episode, because we'll be just shy of our one year anniversary then, to do our analytics. But I remember going and seeing, and people would go back and, and listen to the, our new people, I don't know who, would go and listen to the Spreadsheets in Space episode that was titled that. And always just stood out to me because it's a older episode from earlier this year, but it apparently had legs. So I guess there may be this whole 4X with a spreadsheet segment that it could be off of this. I, I don't know. It is a definite. You're a little cult. It could be. I, this game, I mean, it has no graphics. I mean, its graphics are just simple as can be. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I'm uh, just sit there and tweak your budget and tweak how you deal with other nations and the like. And now the interesting thing is it does let you use a top down map view, uh, to do the combat. So you, okay. you, you do, you are doing combat. Is, right, right. But yeah, I don't know. All these beautiful games and this dark thing holds me. That's about all I've played game wise of any sh- form. But you got new games for Christmas. Yes. You made it sound like you did. The Long Dark. Okay. Just what you bought on the Steam sale. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I got a backpack for Christmas. Oh. (laughs) 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 Well, it's a nice backpack. So let's not. I got more than that. I got, I got, I actually, I, I I lied to you. I did get a game for Christmas. Mm. I got, uh, Rocket League on the Switch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been playing a little bit more of that, um, but not as much. Uh, I actually, well, I got three games for Christmas. So I got uh, Plants vs. Go- Zombies, Garden Warfare 2. I think that's the Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah, Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're kind of cutesy zombies, so sorry. Me. I played the first one. My sister and brother-in-law played that, especially my sister. It's a third-person shooter, and she really likes to play it. Mm-hmm. So I've had it on my list for a while, but I prefer the first person style, so it's not been a priority game. Uh, but I got that. I got Quantum Break and I got, uh, South Park Fractured Butthole. Quantum Break? Wasn't that? Okay. That's the. It was the big summer game last year. That, that, that has the movies. Yes. It's got Littlefinger. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I was thinking. So those are my three Christmas games. That reviewed horribly. Uh, it reviewed okay. It's, I think, by the people who did Alan Wake. Alan uh, Wake was a good game. Alan, uh, and I don't think it will end up topping Alan Wake, but but it is what it is. Uh, the the movie stuff is a little uh, low ball, a little low rent <laughs> feeling. Uh, and then uh, Steam sale, I did buy uh, uh, the. I think it was season five of the Pinball Arcade. I always wait for him to at least be half off, and that was, I think, the one season that was half off that I didn't yet have. And uh, Papers, Please. Oh, I've played Papers, Please. It ain't got no graphics either. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, but it, it, it's a really interesting game. Yeah. So those are the games I've bought. Yeah. Now, I haven't... Uh, I've been off for almost two weeks now. because Normally, I take off the time between Christmas and New Year's. And we do... We have our... We gave up other holidays, so we have all the eves off of the... Of, like, New Year's Eve and stuff, so... So usually this just takes three days, but I took three more days on top of that. So, uh, I have been, and this time I was like, it's time to catch up. I have had too many games sitting in the pile, especially post birthday, 
you know, I, I still had seven days to die from the prior year. And it's just like, so I'm going to tear through stuff. That was the plan. Now I started seven days to die and I put it away because it sucked. <laughs> Holy crap. I played it less than 10 minutes and it made me want to puke. It's so ugly. It's such an obvious PC port and it feels clunky. Like they didn't even try to make the menus friendly to a controller. So, and I'm not going to go into the details on any of these games. I'll save them for the next episode. But I just want, I want to highlight, I want you to know how hard I've been working while you've been playing with your spreadsheet on a ship, a regular ship instead of a spaceship. I have finished Wolfenstein 2, which you know I've been working on for a yeah. month or so. I started and finished the campaign in Halo Wars 2, the RTS game. Yeah. I started and finished uh, South Park Stick of Truth because I got a free code with Fractured Butt Hole. Oh, you never played Stick of Truth? No, I had not. So I won that, and I started and finished Resident Evil 7's campaign. I started and finished all of the story missions in Platforms vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2, which is what I just finished before you came over. I have started Quantum Break, but I have not finished it yet, and I have started Papers, Please's uh, story mode. But I'm only maybe five or six days into it. Wow. that's so, You've been busy. Yes. I and we will cover those on a future episode because <laughs> we are going to be too busy doing year end review to really talk about the well. What's Dennis's six day review? <laughs> because <laughs> I don't normally put in uh, this aggressively on games. Um, only other thing I thought I'd note before we go ahead and go into the pinball segment is, uh, and I've never covered this on the podcast though. You of course are aware of this. This happened just a few months before we started, but my deck was rotting out on the house. So there was someone we had gone to high school with that I knew who was running a deck slash fence building company. And long story short, I hired him to do the deck. I paid him most of the project money and he accomplished very little effort, just left all his tools in my yard and quit communicating with me. So that was uh, just over two years ago. And what has been noteworthy is I have started to receive my uh, my money back. Uh, it's way too soon to say that it, it's all entirely settled. However, in late October, I finally had realized, because he quit communicating with me, what happened was I, and this is why I advocate, and that's why I'm bringing it up now. This is why I've always advocated to people who have lost money on pins to consider legal avenues. If you really, you know, want your money or at least some of your money or at least to send a message. Yeah. So, you know, this was unacceptable. I had paid, oh, he'd gotten just under three grand from me. Uh, he'd done some work, so I didn't want it all back, but I needed some of it back, <laughs> most of it back. So in October of 2015, I took him to small claims court. He didn't show up. So I had a default judgment of, oh, I don't remember, about $2,100 is probably 2150 or so, I think, is the amount I was awarded plus court costs. And uh, I tried to get his assets, but then he moved and I didn't have any, I had no information. He, you know, his business was him. There was nothing, there was no wages I was aware of. So it's sort of like you're out of luck. Yeah. And then I learned that he, I finally, he kind of resurfaced in social media. So I was able to find out, oh, here's where you work now. I'll serve you at work because I needed this asset form. He showed up for the asset form. He apologized and said, I want you to garnish my wages because I owe everybody money and it's the only way you're going to be on a payment schedule. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's what we'll do then. 
So that, that garnishment process I thought would start in November. It did not. However, it has since started since our last episode. And one of the payments was sent certified mail and it was kind of delayed by the post office. So I didn't, I basically had three, I'm getting a check a week now. Yeah. So I've had three payments. Uh, at this rate, uh, if they're on average, what I've seen between them, he'll probably get me paid me paid off in about a year would be my guess. So then you get a new pinball machine. Well, this isn't enough for a new, well, pinball new, machine. new, new, new to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to, may, I'll, I'll get something, but you say, but the, uh, I'll, it's I'll a think down payment something. on a TNA. That's it, what it, it is. It could be, but the, but anyway, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. So well, well, the money's coming in, I've frozen doing anything else, but there was, I mean, the court, it wasn't just the court, fee. court fees were like a hundred and some dollars. Yeah. There was 1% a month interest for non-compliance. So he doesn't owe me 2100 anymore. He owes me 2800 And I've been very transparent about it. this is how much it is. And this is how much was your interest. And yeah. here's how much were your court fees. And I didn't charge him the court fees on the garnishment. It was just everything up until that point. So... Hopefully he doesn't change jobs. So I don't have to refile <laughs> all this stuff, but he has been communicating with me. Uh, and once that's paid, you know, assuming it gets paid off, then I consider it settled, but you don't not finish decks for me. <laughs> Maybe that's the moral. You know, do your, do what you're going to do. Or I gave him all sorts of options. Like give me the, give me the materials and I'll, I'll not, I'll write it all off. Cause I could use the lumber. The plans were good. Um, I had, I ended up hiring someone else using his design and finished the deck, which I liked the new deck, but it, it ended up costing, ended up, yeah, yeah, it ended up costing more than any deck ever should. But anyway, that's probably, that's way enough of an intro, but, but that's probably why I was just thinking, why do I always sort of come across as semi-litigious when it comes to this pinball stuff in particular? I was like, that's cause that's what I do. If you don't, if you get screwed, you need to, that's what the legal system's for is take them in, even if it's a small amount. Even and in Kansas, like, I don't know what the threshold of small claims is, four or six K or so, something in that neighborhood. And so it was like, it's a, and it's a pain. Yeah. And that's why it's such a, I mean, cause when I wasn't getting the stuff back from the employer, it's like, then that's on the employer. I'm like, why have they not? They had 14 days. They didn't respond in 14 days. After 40 days, I would be allowed to then try and transfer the debt to them and say, <laughs> you didn't comply. You don't care. It's your burden now, which kind of would have been nice. But every that time would have been hilarious. I would have to show back up to court for every single step. And it's so exhausting. But on the flip side, it's like, no, you, you don't get to cheat. You don't get to cheat me. I'll drag. I don't care. It costs me hundreds of dollars. I'll drag you back in. And, and uh, you know, crush your credit rating and bleed you out until I get what I'm owed. So, <laughs> I'll spend more money than I'm owed sure. just to make sure I would you have. Know. I was mad enough. I would have. <laughs> I was. Um, I'm not saying that that's the right answer, but in this case, it was pretty easy because, again, the court fees were under $200 total all in so far, and this was an amount, you know, uh, ten times that. Yeah. So it made sense for me. But. Vengeance is mine, saith the dentist. You will. I'm, I'm not trying to be vindictive. Uh, I'm very sympathetic. You know, he, he had his reasons. Life uh, happens. Life, Bad yeah, stuff life happens. happened. Life happened. I'm sure he is in a lot of debt to a lot of people. Uh, but I'm starting to finally see something. It only took two years. <laughs> uh, speaking of something that did not and remotely take two years, let's go ahead and do our, before we do our year in review, we're in the pinball segment now. Let's do our shame tournament round one. We've been, Talking about it for almost a month, almost. it feels like. We've, we've been 
I mean, between behind the scenes talking about mm. it and actual surface, it's been since November. Yes. Yes. We had a, a listener suggested this concept and it was a really, I thought it was a really keen idea. It just took us a while to hammer out how we were going to, and that makes me think of Commander Keen, another game with no good graphics, but fun. Um, so I closed off a few days ago the submission, write-in submission process. We had 20 games that were proposed. Now, two of those were duplicates. We had two different people suggest Raven to us and two different people suggest Hardbody to us. So that brings the count down to 18. However, we had two people who didn't follow the rules and they suggested games that are too popular. Avatar and Stern's Indiana Jones are in the top 200 people, so we can't use them in the tournament. They're, as just, they're too much good. As we might they're want too good. to. I knew Avatar was in the top 200. I, I do confess I was a bit surprised that Stern Indiana, Indiana was, but, but, it, but it was. Um, so we're going to have a six, a 16, uh, machine bank to go through. I used random.org to match them up. So they're not seeded based off of where they were ranked on Pinside or anything. Uh, just a couple other highlights before we walk through the games and our, our picks on them, like we like to do. Uh, we did have one EM that is in the competition. EMs were allowed as long as they weren't in the top 100 on Pinside. And that EM was one we talked about very, very briefly when Nick was here guest hosting. And that's uh, Bally's infamous El Toro. El Toro. El Toro. Or as you might remember me calling it, El Boro, because that is what it's not El Burro, <laughs> which would be a donkey, but, but or is that a mule? I don't uh, and sorry, you know, I had two years of Spanish and I still can't, I'm just terrible with it. Um, and then there was one game that, uh, it didn't have enough votes on Pinside to be ranked. And so it's not in the top 200. So we got to be in, and that is one of the street level games that Premier did, uh, Vegas. It's a John Norris game. Vegas, baby. That's Vegas. right. So with our 16 games that are in the tournament, here is what the first round is. And we'll just go through it one by one. Uh, First matchup is Hardbody, um, 87 game from Bally, is up against the Bally Game Show, which is uh, Bally Williams, 1990. I've not played either. Okay. Uh, 403 Club has Bally Game Show right now. I knew because I, I remember seeing that comment come in that they haven't, but I haven't been to 403 in a while. It's been a couple months since it, it arrived, yeah. Um, I've not played Hardbody. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those that I think is kind of known uh, for its back glass, which in a lot of ways people will see it and they'll assume that it's a Gottlieb <laughs> because it's, it's, they did a photo translate. So. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I, I will go ahead and vote on this one anyway, because I actually have enjoyed Bally Game Show now that I've had a chance to, to play it, it. It feels very full. The shots, they're not the best, but they're enjoyable. Uh, it's got a fun little sound setup. And, ding, ding. Yeah. So very game showy is how it comes across. All right, next matchup: uh, WWE WrestleMania, the Stern 2015 game, <laughs> and uh, that's up against Rescue 911, which was a high production uh, dollar production uh, effort by Gottlieb in '94, uh, which I think I maybe have played once. <laughs> I I don't know if I've played it or not, but man, I have a hard time finding something as terrible as WWE. Yeah, and that's kind of my thinking. I, I still remember, I can still in my mind hear the groans of whoever was randomly assigned WWE for tournament at 403. Because when I first started doing tournaments at 403, WWE was there and no one liked it. 
including me. I didn't like it. And here's the thing, though. I don't think I ever lost on it. Mm. No, I, I, I lost a lot on it. <laughs> I, 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 I do remember in specifics that, that game, for whatever reason, I won that game. I think probably not every time it came up in tournament play, but enough for it to be memorable. You just mastered the upper play field. That was your secret. I don't know if you can really master that thing. You must have, because you kept winning. But uh, Rescue 9 once got a helicopter on it. Oh, well, they're right there. Helicopter. Yeah. That helicopter. Makes, yeah. Oh, now, next one are, are two I definitely have played. South Park, a Sega 99 game, versus Raven, Gottlieb 86. Yep. I've played both of those. I, um... I actually lean Raven on this. Oh, I do too. It's not even a lean. I, I will go and say Raven. I just, uh, South Park, I, I remember the first time I stepped up to it and it just kept going. Yeah. I just kept going and going and going and going and shooting the toilet over and over and over. And that was like all there was to it. Yeah. Raven is ugly. Its sounds are laughable, but the layout was at but- least it let me shoot different stuff. And the thing, the other thing with South Park is the continually repeating callouts actually get super, super annoying mm. really quick. I, I have not been on it long enough to, to there is disappreciate a, there, that. There is a bar and grill that had us at just a couple blocks from my house. And sitting there eating breakfast in the morning while somebody's playing on it can get annoying after a while. Now, I have heard if you have a route... That is a game you want because people will drop quarters into it. I can understand that. So, so, but, but no, for, for in my home, no, I, I, I would rather have Raven. Um, all right. Next one. Genie, the Gottlieb 79 game versus Time Fantasy, Williams 83. The only Williams game in this, incidentally. Uh, I've not played Time Fantasy. I've not played Time Fantasy. I think I played Genie in Texas. It sounds familiar. Well, Genie's in Pinball Arcade also. So you oh, I could have, have played it in Pinball play, Arcade. I've too. definitely played it a lot virtually. It has been at some shows. Uh, uh, because I know it and I just, and I don't actually hate it. And it is a wide body. Uh, I think the entire left half is stupid. <laughs> well, because it's just more of that waterfall nonsense. You know, where it's just a bunch of in lanes. Oh, yeah. look, well, maybe and you can't, you don't have any lane change. So you have to somehow get the uh, people will probably tell them, says, Oh, but it's a nudger's game. It's no, a no, nudger's it's game. It's a no one's game. But I like the right half. And that's something. And without having any experience on time fantasy, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. No, makes sense. Uh, next matchup Genesis, uh, Gottlieb 86 versus Roller Coaster Tycoon, Stern 2002. <sighs> I saw Roller Coaster Tycoon at a at Mass Street Soda when oh, I went up to Mass a couple of weeks ago. I did not play it because I had no quarters because I'd only had two quarters to go into the parking meter mm-hmm. in front because yep. I was going in because they're a specialty soda shop. I was going in to buy some sodas, so I didn't have any quarters with me to play it, but I saw it. It looks terrible. <laughs> I've played it in Texas. Did you? Uh, I've I've played more than one, and here's the thing. I think I mentioned this once. One of the times Don was guest hosting because I think this is a game that Don, an underappreciated game that Don likes. Yeah. When we did that way back in 2016, <laughs> but um, I've never played one that worked right. They've all been broken. Uh, Genesis, I've never played in person. 
I have played it virtually. Yeah. I have it on my, on my cab. Um, it's sort of Genesis is most commonly compared to as a poor man's bride of Pinbot. I think you actually have to shoot for more stuff on Genesis though. Honestly, it's like a worse sound package, worse art design and, uh, better rules. Uh, but nobody's kicked out a $12,000 version of it, the uh, upgrade version of it yet. No, not yet. We're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have a lot of fun in the year end review, <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna go Genesis on this. Uh, also, the roller coaster tycoon troll doll. You want to talk about annoying, repetitive? <laughs> uh, the tr- little trolls that girls stuck on the ends of their erasers. What? They're what? back. No. Yes, there we- was just a brand new trolls movie. I thought those were like a different breed of troll. It was the same bloody thing. Okay. Well. Anyway, I guess Roller Coaster I mean, Tycoon is back then. That, that was last year. It never made but... sense why there was a troll. And it's based on a video game that didn't have troll in it. I know because I liked the video game. It was a good video game. All right. Next up, Big Buck Hunter Pro Stern 2010 versus El Toro Valley 72. I've not played either of these in I any format, either. so I'm not going to nope. vote on it. I'll skip it. All right. Next up, Dolly Parton Valley 79 versus Silver Slugger Gottlieb 1990. Well, this one's easy for me. <laughs> if I've played Dolly, I've played it once. Um, Silver Slugger is a much better game than it gets credit for. It's only not liked because it's not known. Yeah. It is ranked. Uh, they made enough of them that apparently Penside was actually able to muster itself to rank it. But come on, it's got three spinners. I like three. Silver Slugger. It's fine. It's got uh, three I, I think that's where I would go, but I just because I don't think I've ever played Dolly Parton. Mm. And at the same time, why is there a Dolly Parton pinball machine? It, she was, I mean, it was 79. Oh, that's true. It was 79. This was like back around when Ted Nugent got his own machine. And, yeah. That was, they uh, just, Elton John had a machine. So. Yeah. That was just the thing back then, I guess. Yep. That's what you did. Uh, last matchup. Sharky Shootout, Stern 2000 game versus uh, Vegas, which mentioned earlier was a premiere 1990. I'll be honest. I'm amazed Sharky's is on this list. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed Sharky's wasn't. Knocked out due to ranking. Yeah, Sharkies. Uh, I unfortunately on this computer, I don't have the spreadsheet with me. I did write down what the pin side ranks were. I think Sharkies is sitting around two thirty or so when I wow. pulled the number. So it's a little too low to have uh, been disqualified. Uh, not a lot of votes on it. Again, it's one of those games. I mean, I think Stern only made eight hundred of them, so some of that is going to be lack of exposure. Which Could is, be. I mean, Ve- what it's up against Vegas didn't wasn't even ranked. Yeah. Lack of, I mean, and that's the second most produced street level game that Gottlieb did was Vegas. But, um, for me, it's easy. Sharky's, yeah, uh, Sharky's, Sharky's is a good fun. game. I uh, love it. Uh, the Vegas layout looks interesting to me. I, I haven't played it, uh, but it was never intriguing enough to be like hoops where I'd be like, I'd be interested in owning it. Yeah. So, and I was interested enough in Sharky's because it's borrowing from the best state called Deluxe. So. So anyway, that's the, uh, that's, those are the matchups. We'll have a link in the show notes to let you guys go and cast the vote in round one. And we'll run that for about two weeks like usual. And then we'll move on to round two. Okay, Tony, we're ready for pinball's 2017 year end review. I thought the best way would probably be just to sort of go down by manufacturer because that's sort of how we define the hobby, broadly speaking. Yeah, I can see that. But, and then afterwards, if there's anything else before we move into the video games outside of those manufacturers, we can hit on, yeah. on that stuff. No, it makes perfect sense to me. All right. Well, then let's start with the, with the big dog. That's Stern. Uh, I would, I would describe it as this was 
a return to what Stern has often advertised as their ideal, pure production full year. Last year, there were a lot of delays. Uh, some of it, it was probably a mix of Ghostbusters was so red hot as a property uh, in terms of demand, coupled with all the playfield clear coat issues. Right. It seemed like everything, the schedule, the production schedule was all behind. Well, and there was also that, that whole, uh, the whole LCD thing mm-hmm. where it seems like they shifted production schedules around it. So Batman dropped with it. Yeah, with with a very alpha code. Yeah, and it was just it was 2016 was a little weird. 2017 though, they had their three tentpole games: Aerosmith, Star Wars, Guardians. They had a new Vault Edition, ACDC. Yep. So they had the whole announcement gambit that seemed to run on pretty much on schedule. I, the only thing I know of is some people felt that Guardians. Should have and probably was planned to be announced at Expo and wasn't. Yeah. Some people think they didn't because Jersey Jack was announcing pirates and they didn't want the competition. Others thought it just wasn't ready yet. Then they needed to have the next two or three weeks to, to finish that off before they. I lean that way because I don't really think the competition thing would worry them as much, but. So, uh, I guess just some, some thoughts on the, on the games. What, what do you think of Aerosmith? I think with the, Balance that I have not played Guardians of the Galaxy yet. Mm. Aerosmith is my favorite Stern game this year. I think it's the one that feels the most done. It is the oldest, but I thought yeah. it felt the most done out of the box. Yeah, it, yeah. The first one I played felt solid. Mm. I mean, at the launch party, it felt solid. I was disappointed I didn't get to go to the Guardians launch party, uh, and I haven't really had a chance to play Guardians yet. But I have to say, out of all of this, I have to say Aerosmith was. Mm. What what was my my favorite hit? It was for me. It was the most. I was surprised. I liked it yeah. as much as because I'm not a huge Aerosmith guy. No, I'm not a music pen guy. No, I'm I mean, I, I I mean the the ACDC vault is solid be, to me because ACDC is probably my favorite music pen uh, that Stern has put out. But I'm just mm. I'm not a I'm not a big music guy. I mean, I know it, but I don't care enough, and the music pins don't mean that much to me. Right. Uh, I, I broadly, I, I agree with all that. Um, <clears throat> so, made sense then? You think ACDC vaulted? Yeah, I think I think ACDC vaulted was probably their best choice for something to vault right now. Yeah. Um, um, I would not be surprised to see Walking Dead vaulted. I, I wouldn't given given some of the announcement stuff. It's just Walking Dead only just. I mean, they were still making them earlier this year. I know. Well, that's why I mean. And, I mean, next year, I wouldn't be surprised to even see it as early as next year. From the collector standpoint, Tron is Tron the, would be Tron the is the obvious. But I think I think Walking Dead's the better game. Uh, I, I agree. I actually don't like the uh, gameplay on Tron that much. Yeah. I I, um, I mean, if I want a if I want a hard Borg layout, I'd rather have Iron Man. Which they already vaulted. Well, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm just I don't love Tron, but a lot of people do, and they didn't make a whole ton of them. And I don't think it's that hard of a license to get. No, I don't think so. Um, Star Wars thoughts on Star Wars. The biggest disappointment for a lot of people, but it was it was a disappointment. I um I've only played a game, maybe two, on the new 1.0 rules. They're better. I've played two games on it. Yeah, it's pretty much universally, I, I would say, agreed that now that it's reached final code status, it is a far better game than what we initially saw. 
But a lot of people, it's like Walking Dead. Walking Dead will never be a top 10 game on Pinside in a large part because a lot of people rated it before it got its code. Right. And it had, apparently, I never played it on bad code, but it had bad code where people didn't think it was a fun game, where there wasn't, it didn't make sense to do certain shots. And then it got uh, re- remastered, revised, and it added depth and it, and it turned into a great game. Uh, I think it's got an interesting layout. I don't, I don't think Star Wars feels like a lot of other games. So from a layout perspective, but I, it's a game I still don't really understand. And it, it's not at the top of my list of Steve Ritchie designs. So yeah. And the rumor mill is that, uh, that his next game is unlicensed and that his next game is his last. Hmm. And if you want to know what do you mean by unlicensed, when that one supposedly what the other, well, this is from all the other podcasts, they're, they're saying that it's, it will be a, a third, it'll seal off a trilogy of Black Knight. But I, you know, whether Stern bought the license of Black Knight to, to do from. I mean, that's, I, I like I Black know, Knight and Black Knight 2000, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know if he's really retiring after that. He's old enough to. Yeah. He wants, who knows. You know, they could be, it could be high speed three. Uh, that was the second most popular guess. High speed three, the super getaway Mm -hmm. again. (laughs) I like those high speed games. I, I would, I would prefer a third in the high speed series than I would Black Knight. Yeah. Because Black Knight's going to have an upper play field and I'm going to hate it. So, (laughs) so. Just give me a turbo ramp instead. Um, okay, and Guardians, you haven't played yet. I haven't uh, played yet. I, I, I of these of these games, I like the layout on Guardians the best. I don't have enough time in on it to really form a lot of a, of an opinion. I think it looks really good. It sounds really good. Um, its beta code feels less beta y than Star Wars did, but it's Star still, Wars beta code was alpha. Yeah, but you know, Guardians is still pre full release too. Which, I mean, that's this, this is the weirdness with, with Stern Pinball, where it seems like they're on the seesaw of, okay, now they're doing really good court support. Now they're doing really bad court support. I mean, the end of the year here has been a lot of high praise because Batman 66 has come legions of, or I should say leagues, <laughs> leagues in distance. And uh, legions of fans are excited <laughs> and say, oh, it, just like we knew, we, we, had, we had trust in it and we, it's, it's great. And then where's the kiss code? Yeah. And then where's the kiss code? And why, why did, Oh, Star Wars was looking great now, but why was it so bare bones when it was released? You know, that, that's that, that's that walk that they've had. And there were the issues with uh, cabinets falling apart that kind of plagued the Aerosmith run. Yeah. In fact, the one at 403 has been replaced or got a replacement in because the cabinet was splitting and then there were more clear code issues, not on Aerosmith, but on Star Wars. And it's like, I don't know. I so. think a lot of those issues are probably a supply line oh, sure. type issue. But unfortunately, but it, it makes the company it, look bad. Right. So. No, I understand. And on the, the, the code to game thing, I almost wonder if they don't have enough solid coders to keep up with their gaming needs. I've wondered that as well. Because uh, it, it seems like the coders they do have are being stretched thin to work on a whole bunch of projects to the point where the, this game is mechanically finished. We haven't even started the code on it mm-hmm. type stuff. Right. And 
to my knowledge, Stern has three primary programmers at this point. I don't know if they have additional support staff. There's Lyman Sheets, who's done things like he's been his year has been spent supposedly almost entirely on the Batman 66 code, though he would have been responsible most likely for that massive update to Walking Dead as well. Then there's Lonnie Ropp. I know he did the Aerosmith code. And then there's uh, Dwight Sullivan, who did the code on... I don't know if he did the Star Wars code. I'm guessing he did. Uh, uh, Sullivan and somebody else. I looked at Star okay. Wars just the other... Just earlier. Yeah, he did He did Ghostbusters as well, I think. He's a... Uh, he lo- he's he's the one who likes to use the flashers a lot. So so that's your that's your clue. Um so anyway, uh yeah, maybe they just need some some more coders. I don't know. They probably don't want to pay them though. So <laughs> there's always that. Um or it's just a, a question of keeping up with that with that schedule. And that doesn't count if the animation and assets and such are what are taking up all the time now that they've gone LCD, but I, I think that's sort of a different department. Let's see, Pennside's showing it, Dwight Sullivan and Weissen Ching. Okay. Uh, that's probably, a, I'm guessing Sullivan is the lead. Yeah. And the, then, other, the other, all right, so they have the other guy's been on programs. Game of Thrones and Kiss and WWE. Okay. So they have Mustang. subordinate, they have subordinate programmers. Makes yeah. sense. You need some code slingers. Transformers. Oh, so he's been there a while. Brooks and Dunn for Gottlieb. That never was released. No. But yeah, you know, yeah. Golly, at its end. <laughs> what should we do? Brooks and Dunn. Let's Brooks do Brooks and Dunn. It's the ACDC of our generation. <laughs> okay, so um, I think that's it for Stern. Obviously, they've had a very full year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chicago Gaming. We were at Texas Pinball Festival where they revealed and allowed the public to play the Attack from Mars remakes. I enjoyed it so much. That I mean, game has it, gone over very well. I think uh, I think it felt a lot better uh, for them than the medieval release, which felt like there were a bunch of issues. Yeah, I mean, I remember with the medieval release, there were a lot of delays, right? Uh, and that was when they had to rely on Stern's assembly line to work in getting right. medievals rolling on, and now they're they're building them themselves. But uh, it's been good, and mm-hmm. that topper was awesome, and the new screens they put together, those high-def screens. That that feature, I think, is what is going over uh, – I was going to say well, the, so well, but I want to rephrase it as a little – I think that is sometimes the – what makes some people say, I'd rather have the remake. Yes. It's seen just the new dot, because a color DMD isn't going to match that. A color DMD is just colorizing the same quality of dots. Right. This is, yeah, it's high def or higher res. It's it's better. It looks better. It looks Uh, nice. The only thing that there really was for them was there was flipper gate where there was, um, there was some accusations that there was a delay, an intermittent or a variant, I should say a variable delay on when you'd push the flipper button and when it would flip. And someone, part of this was a high-level competitive player, made this accusation. And then, because they were so high-ranked, everyone believed him. Then someone did some science and measured the readings and said, look, there is more of a delay here than on the originals. And then it came out about a week, I think, after that analysis that he didn't hook the equipment up right. And in reality, the delays were identical to the original. And Flippergate went away. Well, there. 
So, so I, I, I have a hard time believing something being proven false and it just goes away. I think, uh, right, right. It was, well, in terms of, it, it wasn't an electrical processing difference with the, with the button. My guess is these, so a lot of these AFMs are shot for lack of a better word. And so I believe it when someone says it feels different. Yeah. A new one feels like it flips differently. Some of that's just going to have to do with the condition of the coil to the condition of the parts and how well restored your original AFM you were playing was. I mean, that can do it. My flippers on Silver Slugger feel a lot different now that I rebuilt them. Yeah. And I didn't change the coils. I just, it's just the other, you know, half dozen pieces that are involved from the end of stroke switch all the way to the, uh, the bats themselves. It's just, anyway. As I think it was more along those lines than a technical issue, which is good because that could have put people off from buying. Uh, recently, there, there was an announcement, not what games are going to be next, but currently Chicago Gaming, ha- they have indicated, as we had heard before, back actually when we were talking with Jack Danger in 2016, uh, Cactus Canyon is planned, so is Theater of Magic, so is Monster Bash, and Big Bang Bar which is a Capcom game. Well, I care about one of those, so... Theater, huh? Yeah, <laughs> no. I like Cactus Canyon a lot. Well, I'm... I mean, this, I'm going to assume if they... When, if and when they make Cactus Canyon, they're going to finish the code, because Williams never did. Well, yeah. And if they're not going to license Cactus Canyon Continued and use that software package, they'll probably come up with with their own. Most of these make sense to me because of the low productions. Theater is a bit surprising. Honestly. Theater is I thought there were enough out there, but I guess the, the sale prices... I mean, a lot of people have been responding, what about Adam's family? They made 20,000 of them. Do we need more? I don't think uh, so. I mean, they are high price, but they're not high... I mean, you can get an Adam's family for less than what one of these will be new. The thing was... You is like buy an original or buy a new and box one of these. That's what they've been doing so mm-hmm. far. Yeah, but it's a. I mean, Chicago Gaming I think's got it set best out of anyone because all they're doing is remaking old stuff that you already know will sell. Oh, I, if, if I had the money, I would go out and buy a new in box remake of AFM right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. And honestly, I would not say no to one of the remake Medieval Madnesses either. Yeah. I mean, I love both those games. Mm-hmm. They're established games. They're not having their, they're redoing their dots, but they're not having up until Cactus Canyon, we're assuming, but they don't have to reprogram anything. They yep. don't have to pay for a designer for, to do the layout. They're not creating anything new from a gameplay perspective. It's all about using the modern technology to translate the old games over. And these were low enough production and they've got the arrangement with Planetary Pinball to be able to do these Williams licenses. So it's a pretty good game. Yep. Jersey Jack. Obviously, the big the big thing was the uh, dialed in. I am very happy for Jersey Jack with dialed in because, A, dialed in is a solid game. And more importantly to me, dialed in is a game that Jersey Jack talked about and it came out within a decent amount of time mm-hmm. instead of being something being talked about and then just setting in the dark for four years. Right. I think dialed in will be the, it's the turning point. It's where people say you finally 
delivered on a game within a reasonable time frame. You, you didn't miss all your estimates. Yep. You, you said what you're going to do and you, and you executed on it. I think it also helps that it is, has been their best game. Easily. Not their, it's, I know it's not their best selling game, but it is their best playing game by far. Yep. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed it. We still have one on location here at, at 403. And, uh, I put in money in it when, whereas I avoided Hobbit. I wouldn't, I do, my, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it my money unless I had to, pl- had to play it. If I had to play the tournaments, the only time I play Hobbit. Right. I didn't, I wouldn't practice it for tournaments because what's there to practice? It's a fan layout with no outlines. So. I don't need to practice. <laughs> it's, it's baby's first pinball. Um, so uh, the other big thing, of course, has been the the announcement of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, it's not out yet. No. They, they've got their prototypes that people have been getting a chance to play. We have not had a chance to play a prototype. Um, thoughts on the concept or the layout? I, you know, well, we, 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 we've gone over the course, concept. Of course, but it's year-end review. But. I think the big thing with pirates is will be can they get the kind the same kind of turnaround that they did on dialed in where it's like where they go from announcement to games in people's homes in a decent amount of time or are they going to trip and fumble after ha- having one solid uh run right right yeah it, this will be i mean this is the do they have the staying power right and that, if, they, if if they get this, if they get it, if they get pirates out, if they get pirates pushed in eighteen, and even more importantly, if they can get pirates out in eighteen, make an announcement in eighteen, and drop the new announcement game in nineteen, and they can make themselves a solid one a year player, I think they're good. Yeah, they don't have to pull Stearns four games a year or three games in our and a vault edition a year or whatever Stearns are doing. But if they can be a solid one good game a year player, I think they're good. I, I think so as well. The, the only, and I, I think they're in a good position to do that. The only risk, and I don't think it's really a big risk with pirates because the, the demonstration, the reveal and the comments that have come from those who got to play the prototypes have been pretty positive of the gameplay on it mm-hmm. is if they make a stinker. Right. I don't know if Jersey Jack survives a bad game. No, I don't know if they're in that position. Yet. I, do, I don't think they are in that so, position yet. So, and I think the issue with, I've also, I, I, I could see them as a, as a one a year player. I think it looks like that's what they're positioning for. Uh, I, you know, I don't know about, I still, I'm not a big fan of this strategy and maybe it's still, it's good for them. I just, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to still be in this position of, Let's announce the game and then it still be over half a year before we build it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's better than being, you know, four years late or three years right. late. Of course. Of course. If you're still, if they get it out when they say they're going to get it out, I don't think it looks bad like that. But to me, it sort of, it undercuts their dialed in sales. I think dialed in will go down as their least sold game while being their best game. While being their best game, I think dialed in looks, well, I know how dialed in plays. I don't think pirates looks like a better playing game. It looks very full featured, but, and kudos to them for taking a brand new designer and basically giving him an unlimited budget and saying, here, go and make us something. Make us, make us our Twilight Zone. Yeah. But the guy who made Twilight Zone is who did Dialed In and it's one of his best flowing games ever. Uh, and I, I'm skeptical that Pirates is going to play that well, but, but I think it could play better than Waz and it has to play better than Hobbit. Right. 
So uh, we'll see. I think they're in a good position. I just, I don't know. I still think that some of their, there's just too, I think there's too much lag still. That there, they should there be keeping is too their much mouth lag, shut. But if they can only shit. rock a game a year, do they have, can they, can they pull the whole only announce a month or two before the game is actually hitting the streets? Sure. I mean, to me, yes. It's just, you know, you go to Expo and you say, at TPF, we're announcing what the actual game will be. So come to our thing at TPF, and in April, those games are going out. I mean, I, I mean, because I, that's what Stern does. Well, let's be fair. That's what Stern does. That's what Stern officially does. No company has that many leaks that cover that much stuff about what the next game is going to be in six or eight months where those leaks are not intentionally placed out there. Well, in, in response to that, Jersey Jack can continue to have all their leaks. Toy Story. And <laughs> they're already doing it. I mean, they're already leaking like a sieve as well. Yes. So. So let's, uh, let's just get the official announcement structure a little, uh, once you officially come, because people kept thinking, I mean, while pirates may not have been a surprise, people have kept thinking Toy Story is the next one. Toy Story is the next one. Yes, but they've been thinking Toy Story is the next one for a while. Now. Yes, because, because purportedly, my understanding is a former Jersey Jack employee left and just like blew all this out to everyone because they were so disgruntled. And that's where all of this information has been. Now, maybe they have their own, like, leak department as well. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just think it's a little odd. It's not the worst thing in the world. But it's just, I mean, spooky isn't pre, I mean, well, they kind of are. It's weird. Yeah. Let's go into spooky as, as okay. our next one. That sort of, they really only had two games this year. One was that contract commission game, Jetsons. Which was horrible. Uh, I only played it once. I found it dull, but. I, I get what it's going for. It looks great. Yeah, it looks Except fun. The but, yeah, I mean, it's a nostalgia game that it wasn't theirs. It was, like I said, it was contract. But it's, it's, it's a nostalgia game designed for bringing in for non hardcore players. Mm-hmm. It's like training wheels. Sure. It's a training wheels game. Sure. It's just, uh, it's just too expensive for being training wheels. Games. Yes. I mean, they should have, the Jetsons should have been a the pin. That's what it should have been. Yeah. Uh, I mean, given, given what the goal was. Uh, so let's talk total nuclear annihilation instead. Best game of the year. Be- and once again, something <laughs> spooky's putting out that's not a spooky game. Spooky didn't have a spooky game come out this year. No, no, they were still, they were still wrapping up building Rob Zombies and they had these contract gigs of dominoes, which they were still doing all the way up through Texas. Yeah. That, which I, I have not played and Jetsons. I played the dominoes at Texas. Hmm. It was okay. It was okay. better than Jetsons. I wish I had tried it. I actually like kind of like the lo- the look of that one's layout. It was better than Jetsons. Yeah, Jetsons layout looked dull, but the and I played it and it was uh, the the this has bought them time for their Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle because now their line's busy and they didn't need another contract gig. Uh, and I, I mean, since we've played the Whitewood. I mean, aside from Dominoes, which I have not played, I know Total Nuclear Annihilation is their best playing produced game. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Um, because Scott Denisi is, uh, is a better designer than, I don't know who got the credits on all the other games, but Denisi's design works. Yeah. Uh, I just think it works better. But 
Uh, last I've heard, which was maybe a week or so, so ago, I think they're around on sales, the 260 mark. Uh, so a lot of people are talking about how this will be Spooky's best selling game. I agree that it will be, but I think that is a, that is a milestone that doesn't mean a lot when you're busy setting limits on all your other production. So it doesn't mean to me, it doesn't mean a lot to say, Hey, we passed Rob Zombie in sales. Yeah. Well, you said Rob Zombie was 300. So let's not, let's not, I'm not saying Spooky's blowing their own horn on this, but for the community, yeah, that if it passes Rob Zombie, I don't think Rob Zombie would have sold much more than 300. I don't, I don't, I don't either, but I'm still standing by since this is year in review. I made a prediction that I don't think total nuclear annihilation gets halfway to a street level game. And I arbitrarily kind of gave that number. That would be 400 units. And I still don't think it makes 400. I think it's, it's too, it's too expensive Probably. for what people see when they look at it. Charlie, who runs Spooky Pinball has been very upfront about just how expensive it is to make total nuclear annihilation. They've shown people what's under the play field. People get it, but on the flip side, there are just a lot of people that that game doesn't have ramps. It's, they don't care. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people that won't consider it. And given you don't see a lot, you don't see toys. No, nope. I mean, it doesn't you, have any you, of that. You thought TIE Fighter on a stick was boring. <laughs> this has no toys. You have to just like the gameplay. I think the gameplay is very, very strong. Uh, but it's, but is it $6,000 strong? For a lot of people, it's just not. Probably. So, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, and but we 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 have this really co- cool. It's really. I think it's really cool that they took someone's vision and executed it. Yeah, as and near as possible to what he wanted. And I I understand their pricing is what it has to be. I'm I'm not smashing them for that. I mean, I like everybody had hopes that the price would be lower, but we all understand the truth of how things work. And mm-hmm. but another example where I'm using on on the numbers. I mean, a lot of people think as more and more of them get out in the wild, more and more people want to buy it. And that's true, but there's a there's a limit to all of that. And here is one of my juxtapositions as to why I'm still fairly confident that this isn't going to fly off the shelves. Project Pinball Charity, their drawings. They have a TNA drawing. Yeah. It's still not even at 40% sold. Really? And it's cheaper than buying in on a, on a premium from Stern, which they already cycled through one. They've already cycled through a couple of pros since this announcement. So wow. it's not moving tickets. And that is a, the, the charity drawings are with collectors of the community. They, they're the ones who want machines and care and it's not selling tickets. And it's, you know, it's, I think that's because uh, it's, it's got niche appeal. Even if it's a great player, uh, a lot of people aren't good enough to play it. Could be the, you know, yeah, it's too hard. Could be. It's too hard. They're too scrub. You just have to accept it. But I, I think it, I think it's very smart. I think it makes spooky look really good. The reports coming in on it have been very positive. Uh, I think it's, it's the most exciting game to come out this year. So I'm glad yeah. it got made. Even if I can't justify buying one, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's there. It's nice to see something like this. And I hope it inspires some other manufacturers that can do some better economies of scale to consider concepts that aren't just here are your two ramps and here's your bash toy. Right. Go forth and, and smash. And also consider stuff that's not just, Hey, it's from your, your in-house guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, though, uh, this definitely, if Scott ever wants to become an in-house guy, you know, I, you know, spooky should. 
yeah. about bringing him on or, I mean, in that case, they probably don't need a, you know, permanent, like 40 hour a week designer, but maybe right. he gets a, maybe this is solidifies a relationship where he starts doing a, an actual, a real spooky game on the rotation. You know, it's like him and Ben Heck. And if Charlie's doing, you know, that gives him three, yeah, something like that. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Highway pinball. Hopefully we won't have to talk about this anymore after 2018 because they'll finally close the doors and go away. <sighs> so you still think you're still standing by that they're going to close the doors and go away. Yeah, I don't think I think they've been through too much. I don't I I, I don't see a viable path. But they've just shipped LEs. Alien LE version has at least gone to some European. Yes. Like congratulations. At least one, at least one has gone out. Congratulations to that guy. You got your LE. Everybody else is still in the dark and everybody else who paid their money however many years ago are still waiting for machines that they're not getting because somebody else who paid money last week gets a machine first. Yeah. Um, I, despite my, I was doing my devil's advocate. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think Highway is dead man walking. Uh, they, I still lean towards what what I have been thinking for a while, I could see them weathering the the alien thing. I could see them getting through it so that everyone gets their alien pin, and then I think it's done. Yeah, no, no, uh, I don't think they're. I don't think they're as we will talk about here in a little bit. I don't. I'm not looking at them as Dutch. Like they're just going to close up. I think they'll finish their alien run. I just don't think they're going to come out of aliens in a position to go for a new pin. Right, and I. Well, I get it, and the the sense of trying. I think they're trying to project confidence by announcing, "Oh, well, we've got Barry Osler working on two games. He's an established designer, of course, um, and his games may be good." I yeah, mean, he was. He's been a great designer, uh, but I don't think that projects the confidence that they that they're hoping for. They may have plans to continue on long term, but there are a lot of unanswered questions, and I think the biggest one is, you know. It's interesting to me about how much of this hobby doesn't talk about pricing and how that impacts what people think. But their takeover also coincided with a massive price spike on their games. Yep. And I'm not sure that at their new higher price point that they're competitive, especially because they're saddled with this system that Andrew Highway developed, and I'm not sure that if they had to do it all over again that they would, that they'd restrict themselves to only being wide body in that ugly cabinet with this drop-in, drop-out compatibility using the you know, these systems. The reports, while they're shipping aliens, and that's great, the reports coming in on the forums of people getting them, they're not good. They're, uh, people, they're talking up the game, but you know, this whole sunk cost thing we talked yeah. about before. The sunk cost fallacy is definitely, you see it in play. And some people might actually think that that thing shoots well. It doesn't, but they might think it. And some people might believe that it is really well coded. I think it is. I think the code's good, but I don't think that the design is I in any way a top game. But, just from my experience playing it. However, everyone is having issues out of box, and I'm not talking like, oh, this stand-up target is out of position. We're talking the alien tongue that's supposed to catch the magnet isn't retracting properly. There's electromagnetic interference resulting in crazy rainbow vomit going on with the RGBs 
because <laughs> the strength of the coil power at the flippers is disrupting them because they weren't properly insulated. It's all sorts of just weird stuff. Crashes and all because it's a PC-based architecture. It's just... It's like there's no quality control because there's no money. Well, yeah. The there's no money. They've got to get them out. And most of the stuff is minor. I don't want to imply that these are, are flaws that are just devastating and stopping people from playing the game. But when people who just want a game to plug and play and are looking for stuff in their game room, all these owners are even saying, well, you know, if you're someone who doesn't want to work on games, you shouldn't buy an alien. That is not a good message when you're trying to save a company. No, it's not. And all the announcements of planned games that you've got contracted with Barry Osler for isn't going to offset that you also have had to acknowledge that you don't have enough money to refund everyone who still wants a refund right. after all this time. And even the people who aren't being refunded, the people who want to stay in, they're not getting their games until you get other games, until you get other people's games out. Right. Right. That's no. Right. It's just, it, yeah. It's so I, I agree. I don't, I don't see how they get through 2018. I, I don't think they should try. I, I don't think, think so either. I think they need I to. Think I think I will be in shock if they roll out an announcement for another game, like a solid announcement of like a title and stuff. Well, it's supposed to happen at Texas. Is it'll it? be there? Well, I'm in shock then. It's that's what the, that's the plan. I believe is that Barry Barry's supposedly working on a license and I believe an unlicensed game. Um, and I think the licensed one is supposed to be announced next. The the and the the rumor mill because you know all our leaks. The rumor <laughs> mill is that it's Queen. That's a music. Wow, we actually had that conversation in our music pin talk thing we did a while back. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a it's a good choice. They it's are, a really good choice. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, so we both think we're still folks. We're still standing by that highway is done. Uh, let's talk about the other H name pinball manufacturer, Hankin. That's the uh, Chinese manufacturer. Well, Australia. That's an Australian who owns it, but he's manufacturing in China. Uh, Thunderbirds Argo is the game. Yep. We have, uh, probably spoken less about Hankin and Thunderbirds than pretty much any other game. Probably because we just don't have the touchstone for Thunderbirds. I, I don't care about Thunderbirds no, at I, all. Right. I, um, I've seen the show and I, I still don't care. Yeah. It's just one of those things that it has nothing for me. And now the thing I do think is I, I think the concept, if you can keep the quality control high enough of doing manufacturer in China is not a necessarily terrible concept with this ever increasing price problem. Because as long as you can keep the quality control at least to match the level that are coming out of not, not, not highway, but the other pin companies with the lower production cost of production in China, I think it will let you slide in and form a place up as the lower price. So even if you're not, don't have as much stuff, you can slide in and have that going for you. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the only issue that we're seeing is because is one, what you've touched on Thunderbirds doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but again, it's easy. Australian. It was huge. It was an Australian. Th- it's They're not a big enough Australia. pinball market. To I agree. Target. I agree I that mean, it's not a good I mean, run. Again, but. we're just, this is our, our armchair quarterbacking, which they, I'm sure, have no absolute care about. But for our listeners, for I, us. it's, this is not, I don't want to say that you, 
shouldn't, I, I don't want to suggest that you should just go in and think I'm going to do pinball and I, I, I need to cater to Americans. But, no. Um, but if you're establishing a pinball company, it probably would behoove you to cater to Americans because, <laughs> because, uh, just in terms of persons, I mean, Australia may have a higher per capita interest in pinball. But in terms of raw body counts of who buy pinball machines, we're the largest market. So you need to cater. And it could have been as simple as securing the ability to reskin that as Team America. Yeah. World police. I mean, I mean, I mean, Some, yeah. the, I mean it's just, I'm thinking that, of course, because of the puppets. But you could have right. reskinned it as but I mean, anything. you could reskin, yeah. Sure. Well, I, I've oh. talked in the past where, where I reskinning was something that happened all the time back in the sixties and seventies. And nowadays I don't actually have a problem with the thought of reskinning. No. And what was the last time it had happened? I think it's the Shrek from family guy. Yeah, probably. And, but, but license matters. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to double total nuclear annihilation sales licensed it should have licensed it. Yeah. It would have sold more. It would have, but you know, that's, so there, there's always a segment of the community that screams for unlicensed pins, but they don't buy enough to, to that matter. To, no, they, yeah, nope. really, they don't. If yeah. they did, dialed in would be selling a lot more. Right. But I, I, that's why I'm so confident, even though it's such a better player, it doesn't have that. It's not, there's no touchstone to it like Wizard of Oz has, uh, or even Hobbit. And yeah. Hobbit wasn't even a good movie. It's still nope. a better choice from a license. It standpoint. is very much so. Um, the other thing, though, uh, in the case of Thunderbirds is when it was shown at one of the Australian pinball expos, uh, the response was not good. Was it not? No, that it looks cheap and it plays terrible. Now it's being, tw- I keep hitting the table. It's being tweaked now. The, the company took that feedback and, and Hankin has been, has been making modifications to it. I don't know how much they can change, though. I mean, one of the things was it was seen to have a worse flipper gap than Ghostbusters. Wow. It just, just, it was, it's not, I don't think it's going to do, I think it will sell. I think it will sell in Australia. I don't think it will sell great because I don't, my sense is that the people don't think it's a great machine. Now, I think Hankin survives because their business model is mostly deriving income by making, I think, arcade games. So they've got a whole other side that's not doing pinball. So it's set up in a way that the company itself, I think, is fine, be they stay in pinball or not. That's how they've been able to go for this many years without putting the machine out. Is they're not they're not it's relying not their on primary. It. Right. They're not relying on it. So from that perspective, I think the company has been very very smart. I just don't think that this game has got legs. Uh, even if they, I don't know what, we'll see what their tweaks can do. I'm very skeptical they can, I mean, they're going to go back and say, we're going to make some adjustments. That doesn't sound like a redesign. And that's the impression I got from a lot of people that were just too polite to say much because they, there's this kinship with the, you know, fellow Australian. They don't want to be rude. They don't want to hurt his feelings, but, you know, plus like, but behind his back, they're more than willing to say that this game is a dog. So, <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I don't know if you're doing many favors if you're not going to be transparent about it, but it is what it is. Speaking of transparent and China, let's talk Dutch pinball, which has the big thing has been, of course, it's all about Big Lebowski. And now it will be made in China, they say, they rather say. than in the Netherlands. Tony, what, what are your, what are your thoughts? It's been a rough year for Dutch. Dating really all the way back to Texas Pinball Festival, where 
they announced Bride of Pinbot 3.0, which is perhaps the fastest pull, takedown, uh, wipe away, memory, <laughs> memory cleanse that I have ever seen in the pinball hobby. I think it was less Man, than a I, month. Might be, that that might be the faster I've seen in anything where they did that, where they just turned around and what? No, I don't, I, I don't, I don't recall that. Well, and I'm trying to, I should have gone back to our old notes because that was originally a, a plan. I think they had planned to make 30 in honor of the 30 anniversary, 30th anniversary. But as of TPF, I think they announced that they were going to do 120 of them. And it was what? 12,000, 12,000. Yeah. And it's like, what a bad idea. The whole, <laughs> let's, let's spend a little time. I mean, and I guess anyone affiliated with Dutch pinball, no offense, but you know, this is nothing personal, but holy cow, what were y'all thinking? This was a turd from the word go. What a nothing. It was ugly. First of all, it, it was, was ugly. It reminded me of some like high schooler 3d animation attempt. You took this, uh, you have, first off, why would you ever do anything with Bride of Pinbot again? You did Bride of Pinbot 2.0. Move on. I think anybody who cared about Bride of Pinbot went with your 2.0 and that's it. They don't care about anything else. Right. Which, from all accounts, improved the gameplay. It didn't make it a great game, but it made it a better game rather than a one-trick pony. And I said back around that time, as I recall in my review of the year here, <laughs> that given their struggles with Big Lebowski, I thought their strategy should have been to do more kits. If you can't sell because there's not enough demand, more Bride of Pinbot kits, then develop a kit for another broken game. Yep. You know, that would fix, be solid. Fix something else. There are plenty out there that had a lot of sales, but have kind of janky rolls and you stick in a new, you know, screen. Give it an LCD and give it a new rule slate and people will buy it. They, sh- it sh- they showed that with Bride of Pinbot. Yes. Bride of Pinbot 2.0 was their whole entry into trust us. We know pinball. And then apparently they just know Bride of Pinbot. Apparently, if that's your big bailout, which, and you know, I, I think they were about a year and a half to two years too late on the, Oh yeah, pinball collectors are really stupid and will throw insane amount of money at anything. Because that price point was stupid mm-hmm. for an uglier version of Bride of Pinbot. A game that doesn't sell remotely close to 12000 10000 8000 or 5000 It doesn't. It's not a new game and it doesn't command new prices in nope. any condition. It doesn't. If you were to have a, a HEP restore, fully restored beyond new inbox good, you still wouldn't get your money back, which you had to pay HEP to do it, on a Bride. It's not worth it. This is not creature. Yeah. So you need, it's not, it's, not it's bright of pinbot. I'm so, I'm sorry. It's just, it's bright of pinbot. It's not that great. The best thing about it is the art. And then when you change Python's art, you right. slap his body in, in the ground, in the face. <laughs> this zombie He's slap. Spinning. He's spinning. He's spinning. <laughs> Hook him up to generator. <laughs> so, so, okay. So that at Texas was ridiculous. Obviously, there's the whole issue with their the, with their Dutch manufacturer, so they've moved to the China thing. They just had an announcement a week or two ago. They do a, a newsletter from time mm-hmm. to time, and in that they're explaining how they've they had 
two engineering samples made. They showed them at the, I think the Dutch pinball open. Uh, supposedly they played fine and now they're working on samples three, four and five, trying to get the, the Chinese team up to snuff on how to do all the construction and everything. And then after that, they'll be ready to go into production. Except two things. One, they still won't commit to a time frame on when they'll actually be ready to produce finalized versions. I think this is concerning because you should be able to estimate this yeah. at this stage. And the second thing is they also in the newsletter had to talk about their plans for European marketing because just like we know through admittedly very transparently on Highway's part at this point, they have to find more people willing to now buy Big Lebowski's from them to try and backfund all these early achievers who have pre-order money in. I don't see how they can. And no. And unlike with Highway, I think this, I don't think there really will be much in the way of additional production. I think this one's done. Oh, uh, yeah. I think the only way that we're going to see more uh, Lebowski's come out is when a strike team goes in and rips those 40 that are locked away out. In a daring heist. <laughs> I, um, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a what if scenario. Here's how I could see more Lebowski's. <clears throat> uh, Dutch Pinball declares bankruptcy. The IP and assets are purchased by another pinball manufacturer that decides to go ahead and make them. The people who pre-ordered are still out. They'll get with the bankruptcy. They'd get pennies on the dollar as creditors. That takes care of them. They're out. They don't have a stake anymore. And then. The company, a, a company could go ahead and produce them that you know can make machines. But who would, be, honestly, the only one I think would possibly even consider it would be spooky. And it'd only be if the IP was super cheap and it would probably be done because they felt bad about people getting screwed over by Dutch. That would be it. No, I don't, yeah. Stern was, Stern no wouldn't do it. They're like, why? We have our own designers, our own developers, and we make our own games. We don't need that. We don't need that product to fulfill anything. And I think Jersey Jack's in the same boat. Right. So there's no, some people will think, some people are convinced no matter what it'll happen because everything's developed and done already. It's like, no, you have to have the will to manufacture it. Right. And think you're going to sell enough. And the thing is, is that while the IP may be timeless, the machine is looking more and more dated every year that goes by because that's old news. Everyone knows about Big Lebowski. I thought it looked really cool when I first saw it. I couldn't care less anymore. The only saving grace it has is that unlike Alien, Big Lebowski, broadly speaking, has praise for its gameplay and how it shoots. Yeah. When it works. When it works. And it, it always has been a bit janky on the working side of things as well. So. So I think they're more done than Highway. Oh no, Dutch is completely done. They're as far super. As I'm concerned. They're super duper done. They're 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 they are going through the motions. Yes, dead man walking. Been using that phrase a lot lately. Mm hmm. All right. Um, this was not a real manufacturer, but I wanted to touch briefly on Skit B. Uh, we just saw because we saw a lot of legal happenings regarding the Predator. Um, nothing, nothing too exciting there are some really juicy recordings out there some pretty interesting uh scenarios the excuse me it's been pretty quiet since october though uh the trustee has successfully settled with some people who received monies 
um, probably for working on the project and then not reporting it on taxes or anything. Yeah. Um, the only real big score that I am aware of is there is a settlement uh, in regards to a house, but it's in a floodplain. So even that is only on the order of somewhere in the twenty to $30,000 range. But, you know, uh, depending on how bad the attorney fees are, this sounds like a case where creditors, I think, in the end will get something. It will be a far cry from what they put into it. But I think for most of them, it's about justice at the stage, not their money back. Kind of getting back to my whole deck discussion at the start yeah. of the episode. And so I completely understand that motivation. Um, and we'll continue to monitor it, but there's just not, there's not been a whole lot of news that's really worth going back over. So we only have a couple more entities to talk about. Let's talk about the last established manufacturer, uh, established, established in well, quotations, uh, American pinball. Uh, I, I went in, they've done two things. One was way back at the start of the year. That was when. All the news about the Magic Girls. And they, the, yeah. They built the Magic Girls or built the parts for the Magic Girls. I'm confused. I still don't know who assembled the Magic Girl. If I, I don't know. If J-Pop manually assembled them all or. I mean, because that's what it sounded, some of the stuff that it sounded like, sounded like J-Pop was in there using their area, but he was doing it all himself. It's right. The way it always sounded to me. Yeah. And given how it plays, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, and then Houdini, which they're, they're, finalized concept of Houdini, the non-J-pop version, was we were in that seminar yep. that was announced at Texas at the start of the year. And I was really impressed because they got prototypes out. And they had issues with the prototypes. Understandable. I don't blame them for something they kicked out that fast. I never got a chance to play it because the li- because the lines were long and I I mean, I wanted to play other things. Right. So, Well, there, there were uh, the, the main things were they said that the they were gonna they were gonna ship games by the end of the year, and the first game left the factory yesterday. So they kept that. Whether or not it was just one, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But they the, poured everything into getting yeah. one game shipped, and the rest will start going out later later in January. Right, right. Well, and the big thing that was the concern at the time, uh, which could explain and probably does explain a great deal of the delay, because they made a it was a big deal to a lot of people that they came up with the game in three months. Yeah. You know, it's like we had to throw away J Pop's design and we had to do Balser's design. Took three months. So look at that short turnaround, which didn't impress me because Gottlieb Premier built an entire <laughs> company on that model in the end. <laughs> and they went on for years doing games with six six to six to twelve week design cycles. Well, six would be very rare, but three months was very common for them. Um and but they had to build their factory. Right. They had to build the factory up. So, in theory, they shouldn't be that delayed in the future. Um, I've not played Houdini. I've not played it Because the lines were bad, and I haven't been anywhere else since Texas where there was a prototype available. Uh, Broadly speaking, the response rate has been positive. I I mean, if I'm to use my ranking setup, I would say uh, most people seem to indicate that it plays better than Alien does by quite a bit. Probably about on par with Big Lebowski, not dialed in good. There, yeah. okay. it gives you gives you a little range in the, in these in these non stern companies and in how it response rate is. Uh, pretty jam pack. Uh, the the theme of it's an unlicensed theme. I mean, Houdini is a known entity. They just he's too 
old to have copyright issues. Right. So, so that's the strategy there. He's not, he's not protected by the mouse. Um, right. He's not protected. And, uh, the company has indicated that they would be happy if they sold a thousand units. Do you think they sell a thousand Houdinis? No. I don't either. Uh, the one thing really going for it is magic and pinball go hand in hand. I don't know why. And I don't either. Uh, so there will be a segment that will, that will buy it, but it's a $7,000 price point for. Yeah. I don't think they'll sell a thousand. I don't either. I think they'll sell. I think they'll sell. I, I think they'll sell. I mean, I'll even just three to 500 wouldn't surprise me. Okay. Uh, I think it's, that's probably, that's on the hopeful end. Mm-hmm. I actually. I was very against American from the beginning and I'm to the point where because of their stuff last year and when they dropped J-pop, when they realized just what they'd gotten into and how quickly they turned around, uh, getting the new game design and this and that. I'm not going to say I like them because I don't know anything about it yet, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful somebody can take that pit that they dug for themselves and climb themselves, pull themselves up out of that pit. That would just be such a, 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 I don't want to say inspirational, but such an impressive story to have started yourself so far down in the dirt because you were an idiot and you didn't even do the slightest bit of research and to claw yourself out of that hole and pull yourself back up into something that could put out a game and then another game. And then it, that would be impressive to me. Uh, I, I'm, I've been impressed with how, I mean, we called back at year in review 2016 that American Pinball was the company we thought would be gone. We, we thought, we thought Dutch would be as well. And we, we didn't think Highway. We thought Highway was okay. Um, so, you know, we were very wrong about that. They've done an impressive job rehabilitating. I mean, for my, for this, for podcasts, for all that, you know, we'll, We'll report on it, commentate on yeah. it, like we would in, like we would any other company. I won't consider purchase purchasing an American pinball product until I have a full transparent accounting of what they were thinking with J-pop. They'll probably never do it. They have no obligation to yeah. do it. However, uh, that is what I demand. I want to know why they changed their mind on him. I want to know why they thought it was a good idea in the first place. I want a real explanation of what they were thinking, because to me, while they have hired and surrounded themselves by a lot of really enthusiastic pinball people. I still think that this company was formed to cash grab while the hobby was hot. I don't think there's any passion behind the company's formation. And if there is, they haven't really indicated where's the interview that explains that. Right. You know, what, you know, is there just a passion for manufacturing? I I don't care if the passion is there or not. I want to know why they got into pinball. I'm, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that it was pinball's big right now. We've got this stuff we can do something with. Why? Well, I liked this pinball machine. Who designed it? Okay. And that's, I, I honestly think it's, I think it was that I, level but shallow. I, that, but the curiosity in me wants to know. I want to <laughs> know. And so that's my third. And it's easy for me to say because I, here, here are the two, because it would be unlikely for me to be able to buy, you know, full transparency. It'd be very unlikely for me, even if I, uh, liked the company, uh, instead of being fairly indifferent to, uh, buy a machine that they're too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> So they've gone in with Houdini at a $7,000 price point. That's pretty high. I mean, they're, they're thinking they're in some rarefied air. That's more than spooky. It's more than stern. Uh, obviously I'm comparing on the low end models. Uh, it's pretty jam packed machine. I, I'm not saying it's not 
worth it to a lot of the collectors, but for an unlicensed theme, you're asking for a lot. Right. I mean, that's the issue that Dialed In ran in, uh, and Dialed In's eight grand. And I mean, if you're in that amount, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, get the, save the thousand dollars more and get Dialed In. Right. And I would do because the same it's a thing. great game. I mean, if I had seven thousand dollars, I'd save up the whatever extra I needed to, and I would get an AFM or a Dialed In yeah. or, 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 even right. And a- the AFMRs are, are, but you can get the, you know, you can, what, the, the, the base the, model. The classic one's like 6,500. Right. So you can get the, the mid tier, I think, for the seven. Right. So it's. And a, that would be what, I mean, I mean, that's just right. one of those things. It's a crowd. They're in a crowded, they didn't, they didn't go low on price. Uh, and they didn't go all in Jersey Jack Pirates. We put the whole kitchen sink in the game. So they're in a really crowded price space. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Last I had heard, the company's plan has been to not do licenses. They want to do the Houdini strategy. Take something that is known. So people throw out things like Alice in Wonderland or something. And huh. Yeah. I'm like, could we quit having ideas that J-pop had pencil and paper on, please? Yeah, please. But that's one I've heard people mention. You know, taking these things and then doing something. So it'd be like, oh, it's a license in the sense you know it, but you didn't have to pay any licensing fees. Now it gets you by for a little while, but I mean, how many pins are twenty thousand leagues under the sea? Right, the pinball how, machine. Right, how many? How, what's your, what? How many Jules Verne and and uh, Greek gods and and fairy tales are we going to tolerate? And then uh, Here, here's the thing: if they were putting them out at Stern Pro prices, a lot. Yeah, but they're not. That's the they're problem. not even putting them out at spooky prices. I, I, I think uh, if they were putting them out at Stern Pro prices, they would be doing a lot better, uh, or they would do a lot better overall for staying unlicensed and just, you know, going with no, the I, old. I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. I mean, that's part of the, in my talks throughout the year of my, if a company were to come in and want to undercut on the Stern Pros, one of the things that might need to be sacrificed, though I wouldn't sacrifice it, would be the license. I'd sacrifice something. I'd sacrifice code depth instead. Go for the uh, but, shallower game instead of yeah, the... Yeah, but the whole idea on the lower price one is you want the operators to buy it. Right. And you don't care what happens to the used market. And the thing is, is that for an operator, an operator wants the license. Yeah. The the code depth is less important for an operator sure. than licenses. But for on, for on-location pinball, you don't need a game deeper than Attack from Mars. You don't no. need a game deeper than Sharkies. For at home, you don't need like, a game deeper no, than Attack don't, from you really Mars. Don't. It's the greatest game ever made. You just keep playing. It's not, you don't have, they don't all have to be Lord of the Rings. Or Pirates and it's 100 and, what, five modes. Yeah. And 20 characters. You don't, it doesn't need to be that. That's what that company wants to position itself as. And I wouldn't make a new one to try and compete with what Jersey no. Jack wants. That, that That's their space. Let them have, let them, let them have play it. in their space. Yeah, that's their space. There's plenty of sand in the sandbox. The issue with Houdini is I don't think, well, it's pretty jam-packed. They don't have the license thing going for them. And it's just too high above Stern Pro price and too not Jersey Jack quality. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. want to say it's a bad quality game. It's We don't know yet. Right. We'll, we'll see how it, we'll see how it is. But anyway, it's an interesting thing. We'll see, but I think I think they'll get through twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, I think it'll do well enough. Uh, last entity to talk about in pinball is uh, Deep Root, uh, the oh, newest. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of obviously uh, Deep Root, who is like the new American pinball. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. It's hard not to feel that way because of their involvement with J pop and talking about uh, making Zidware customers whole. I mean, yeah. that was what American Pinball was saying in 2016, 
was that's what the whole magic girl thing was. We're assuming J-pop is being paid in product to satisfy Zidware customers. They get a designer. Was Deep Root announced? We are bringing J-pop on as a designer, but they want to, in some capacity, basically, it seems, manufacture the Zidware games. Right. So, and there's all, as we talked about in, in the episode where we covered this week in Pinball's interview with Deep Root and their, their head, Robert uh, Muller, the discussion also briefly mentioned that they had some legal proposal stuff on people that they could, they like sign an agreement to not pursue legal action on Zidware. And that gave them credit towards various things um, various games yeah. from from deep from deep root which is planning a release in 2019 um and there hasn't really been anything since then they mentioned that there would be the five days of deep root i'm sure that won't happen till the end of 2018 or 2019 yeah i i would i would expect the latter half of the of 2018 but we don't really have any good time frames i i you know we were both deeply skeptical that this is a good idea. This being Deep Root bringing J-pop on, I remain deeply skeptical that this is in any way a, a smart business maneuver. Uh, yeah. They indicated in their interview with This Week in Pinball that part of the issue was most of the other established designers already had contracts or or were employees of various companies. But as we've seen with Eric uh, Munier, Munier, who's doing Pirates of the Caribbean for Jersey Jack, or Scott Denisi with Total Nuclear Annihilation and Spooky. Uh, you don't need to use an, an established designer per se. You just um, need somebody with the ability and the knowledge yeah. without necessarily being one of the old school designers. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, or or you can try and hire one away. I, I, I mean, I don't know how they're... De- they said they had discussions with them, so I, I believe that with other with other designers. It's just... I don't know. It's you're, the J-pop name is so toxic. I just don't see the value because most of your sales. I know your motto is uh, what a, a pinball in every home, a home for every pinball. But realistically speaking, up front, it's going to be the pinball collectors that are most likely to purchase the games, unless these are extremely low cost. And American Pinball already proved that J-pop is poison fruit. Right. Right. So. So I, I'm very, I, I mean, I think Deep Root's got money behind it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a Deep Root pinball is a, a subsidiary of a variety of other roots of the Deep Root. And so there, there's a lot of financial, uh, money backing this through, you know, investment plans and such. So I think they can endure as long as they want. It's just, I, I, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand the, I assume that it's because there's an actual interest in pinball here because it doesn't make, it doesn't fit the rest of the portfolio. But it's the only thing that makes sense is that it is someone that they actually have interest yeah. in it. I mean, there's no way that they could be thinking that. Well, I don't know. Maybe they are thinking that pinball resurgence is big enough that people want to just it's the time to dive in and try and make your buck and walk away. But I don't know. It requires a much deeper amount of involvement than throwing somebody in at a video game. All right. Well, I think that's enough of our year-end review on the pinball side of things. So let's go ahead and hop over into video games. Video games. There have been 
a lot of video games because there are always a lot of video games out every year. I thought maybe we should go ahead and start with uh, the major manufacturers on the console side, though, uh, and starting primarily with Nintendo, which I'd say probably by almost any account imaginable had the best year of the big three. Uh, primarily for a reason that you are intimately familiar with, the Switch. Yes, the Switch is definitely been Nintendo's comeback. Uh, I know there were articles out earlier in the month showing the Switch has already hit 10 million sales, and that doesn't even include all of the Christmas purchasing. So they are well on their way to outselling the total number of Wii U sales they're on their way to outselling that in the first year. Yeah. Because the Wii U only had like 13 and a half million sales in the first year. Or in total, up to like today. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And and so, I mean, Switch, it's been, they've just done a lot of things it, better. Uh, without rehashing everything that went wrong with Wii U, the system has found, as Nintendo did with the Wii itself, they found a market that isn't being met by anyone else. They're walking that console slash portable line mm-hmm. that Sony and Microsoft stay out of entirely. They launched with a, a solid game and have had solid games since then and have announced solid games based off of their past pedigrees. So people are very confident about the titles. They've also focused on getting third-party developers, which was something that they've been lacking since we and they, on their announcement for Switch, really, really emphasized how many outside uh, developers were working on things. Now, granted, some of that stuff is just like, okay, well, Skyrim has to be oh, on yeah. this because Skyrim's on everything. Skyrim's but, on I played Skyrim right, on right. my watch the yes, other day. Yes. So, so, but but they really were, at least there's stu- their stuff to play. So right. people don't feel like, oh, the, the problem in the Wii in the Wii U era was always for a console gamer. Okay. So I, I've got a Nintendo and I now I have to have a PlayStation or an Xbox. I have something to play third party games. Mm-hmm. And while that isn't one hundred percent solved with this, it's, it's getting there. it's better. Where people there there this year I could actually see people saying, My only gaming platform is a Switch and I can be okay for a while. Yeah. And not have to have a PC or have a, another console. And there's been, uh, I don't actually have the numbers. I should have written them down when I originally read the article or, you know, saved the article page. But I saw an interesting uh, poll that had been put out about people who use the Switch and how they use it. And what's interesting is I know there was a lot of talk when the Switch first came out that, well, it's only going to be used as a dock thing. The mobile, the portability of it is just a, a, a trick. Just a, it's something that people see, but they're just going to use it docked all the time. Mm-hmm. Or people are like, oh, I, yeah, you can put it to your TV, but why would you? You'll just use it mobile all the time. And the truth of the matter is, is the vast majority of users use it both ways pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. The numbers of, I'm just trying to remember off my top of my head. Something like 18% of users have only ever used it docked and of a similar percentage have only ever used it mobile. And then everybody else has uses both. So, I mean, that's. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's fit. It's fit a demand. Yeah. That no one else ha- had realized was there. 
And so uh, it's obviously done very well for them. And I think it will continue to do very well for them as they continue to fill out the library. Yeah. It was so smart, though, to launch with Breath of the Wild. It was. Because Breath of the Wild is an amazing game. I mean, I'm nowhere near beating it yet. And that game is beautiful and fun. I'm not even a huge Zelda person. And that game is beautiful Mm -hmm. and fun. So Nintendo done very, very well. Uh, Microsoft. It's more of a mixed bag for Microsoft. Uh, uh, Hardware-wise, the big announcement was just a little while ago with the Xbox One X. Uh, the reviews of that, that console itself have been very, very good. Uh, unsurprising. Yeah. It's got more power than anything else, which I think is the first time Microsoft has ever been at the top of the power and performance charts. Now, if uh, only they could get at the top of the uh, you know games charts, and that's and that's the downside for Microsoft is that, uh, as some might say, some very sympathetic to Microsoft might say they have a perception problem with a lack of games. I think that's too mild. There was a problem with a lack of games this year. Now, it's not that there aren't games on the console because most of the third party stuff comes out on everything, right. everything powerful enough to run it. So that's true. I mean, like you never have to worry about if you're a Call of Duty fan, if you have a PC or a Sony or a Microsoft. It's going to be there. Right. It's going to be there. So it's not that there weren't a lot of games, but there weren't a lot of unique games. And that's still counting. I understand that Microsoft is doing this thing now where they want things to be on Windows PC and the console. It makes sense for them financially to do it that way. Yes, it does. And that's fine. I'm counting those games, like Halo Wars 2. They, it's just, they had, no, this was, there was no banner. There was no banner game this year. There was no mainline Halo. There was no mainline Gears of War. And here's the problem. Those are the only two things that come to my mind when you say Microsoft. They need to fill out but, the stable. But, but their racing game that I can't remember the name of. Yes, Forza. Forza. Yeah. Forza Motorsport 7 came out. The thing is, there's always a Forza every year because Forza Horizon and Forza Motorsport, they're different developers, but they share assets. And they alternate. And they alternate. So that that's a given. So we don't get to count that. The big one that was supposed to be the Xbox One X launch title, Crackdown 3, got pushed back. Which is probably good because Crackdown 3's cell shaded art, I don't think, looks going to look great any better of, no. of note. Forza is a better demonstration, but yeah. Halo or Gears would have been would a have great been a demonstration as well. So it seemed like the hardware wasn't synced with a good game to really showcase it. Well, and I think a lot of that comes from the simple fact that, in my opinion, the hardware was something that was in process, not necessarily for what it became. Mm. I think it very much was a, we are getting destroyed. We need something. Well, here, this is another project we're working on. Let's just take all this stuff and boom, and then throw it out there. Hmm. Well, I did hear an interview with one of the lead developers of the console and they actually they indicated they were working they were working on the Xbox One X as a concept to be developed before they even released the original Xbox One. It takes that long for them to do their cycle. They'd already decided they were going to do an intermediary really? upgrade. And their decision obviously uh was not in any way influenced by the Sony PlayStation 4 Pro, which they had no idea about and came out about a year before theirs did. Mm-hmm. Both companies arrived at that idea that this was how it was going to be now. Um, so 
But I think that they decided to market the emphasis on that. I, I, and I think that was smart. I think it was smart to emphasize the power yes. to try and get hardcore gamers that went with PlayStations to buy it anyway, to maybe, maybe buy Call of Duty on it for the performance edge or whatever that they want. But they uh, need the unique games. They, that- they need more developers in their pocket. That's what yeah. they need. Sony has done this. Nintendo is Nintendo and they have right. their all their franchises that they control with an iron fist. Microsoft, this is always a problem that can be solved, but they just need to solve it. And I think Phil Spencer, who heads Xbox Gaming, I, I think he's planning to do it. I just think he couldn't do it immediately and he's sort of stuck. But the problem where the perception got even worse were things like the crackdown delay, the canceling of Scalebound back at the beginning of right. the year. Uh, that sort of stuff hurt. Even though your few console exclusives like Cuphead did great were for, showcases, but right, but Cuphead I mean, it was a console exclusive. It was also on PC. Well, every everything that Microsoft does now is console exclusive. Right. They want the PC people to play their games. They'd rather sell more games than keep it just on the console because they're going to because they're going to make you have Windows to play the game. Right. So that's their solution there. So. But I so, mean, they didn't. They they didn't have something that was kind of out of left field, like Horizon Zero Dawn for the PS4. Right, right. Um. So, so that's been Microsoft. So Sony, I thought Sony last year, it to me kind of felt like, well, they they had a bunch of game announcements, but none of them came out in 2016, 2017. They had some really good, really popular games. I'm thinking the new Persona game. Yep. You mentioned Horizon, uh, Nier Automata was Very another, good game. another, another so big good. one that were all console exclusive to Sony. The, the problem I think Sony has had this year, and it hasn't been much of one because they're sitting at the top of the charts. They have more consoles sold current gen than any other manufacturer. Yep. I mean, you could combine Switch sales and Xbox all flavor sales and still not reach the PS4 plus PS4 4 Pro sales. Yeah. But, Here's the thing. I felt so bad for Sony, especially when watching the video game awards, when they had so many good games, almost all at the start of early in the year and Nintendo beats them on everything. It's like you finally had such good games that stood out so well, except sorry, you're no Mario, you're no Breath of the Wild. So it's like their best games didn't match Nintendo's best games on brand new hardware. So it's, funny like that but i i think i think that's just a timing thing it's not that those were bad games or anything it's just but it steals it steals all the oxygen in the discussion i i fully expect that those games will continue to have well horizon will probably get a sequel the other games are in a series of games and will undoubtedly continue to have more and more games i think uh sony has been trying to kind of position itself with those games uh as a single player experience sort of console. Right. They've really on their exclusives banked on that. Kind of like how I feel Bethesda sort of banks on these single player experience. And, uh, I like that because I, I do want, too. Because there's been this fear based off of all these decisions, like with EA and the canceled Star Wars game that so many of the large non manufacturers, but publishers, what multiplayer? They think they have to multiplayer it. Which moving from Sony, let's go ahead and just hop over into the loot crate scandals. You yeah. did a lot of, I'll say, reporting on our <laughs> podcast 
on on the loot crate scenarios uh, and the blowback that we've been seeing, especially in the second half of the year. It's been pretty bad, yeah. And the and it's also been very pervasive that there have been a lot of games, some of which, uh, like Star Wars Battlefront 2, which took tremendous hits in... I don't know if it hurt their overall sales or not, but I heard EA's stock price fell quite a bit when it that did. was going on. Yep. And then there are other but games But not that, enough to be a problem. I mean, it fell, but it's not like the bottom fell Right, out. right. I'm sure it will recover. And then there are other games where, while their sales still met expectations, like Shadow of War and uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, they still got some of the taint on them. Yeah, from they got some bad loot, press. From the loot crate, yeah. So, just sort of, do you think that reviewing this year, and especially these last few months, and the sheer amount of blowback on Reddit and various video game forums, do you think we see changes? No. Okay. No, not at all. I think there's too many people who just pay money and don't care. They don't listen to the hype. They don't listen to the news. They don't listen to any of that. All they know is they're sitting here playing, and it's like, I want this pretty make a make a dress up, uh, Darth Vader, and he's got a lightsaber that hits three times harder. Okay, fine, whatever. Here's my ten dollars. I've got ten dollars, or more likely than not, I have this money that I got from mom and dad. Here's mom and dad's money. Mm. We'll just we'll just buy whatever. It's just like I read an article the other day about a guy who was playing, uh. Final Fantasy Brave Frontier, which is the Final Fantasy game on the phone. Um, and it is very much like any of those other mobile experience games where you spend money on it and you do this and that. Dude dropped $13,000. Hmm. Wow. The game's only been out a year. He dropped 13 grand on it in a year. And, uh, now, in his case, he's like, well, yeah, this kind of ended my marriage. But they talk to other people who dropped that much or more, and they're like, I want to spend my money on what I want to spend my money on. I've got the money to spend. This doesn't hurt me in any way. Hmm. So all of these games have whales that dump that will dump huge money on it, and I think that's going to be a situation that's not going to change. I don't think the outrage is going to be enough to stop it. It may make some minor changes to how it's done, but I think overall you're still going to see it in as just a slightly adjusted form, but there's loot crates aren't going away. Not even in mainline games. Right. I, and I, I agree with you. I, I think they're here to stay. I think they, they make way too much money to disappear. Mm-hmm. I do think on, Mainline games, or, or I'll just define it, define this as games where you had to buy the game. I do think that there will probably be an increased sensitivity on the part of uh, developers to not get branded with the pay to win branding right. because you already bought the game. So I think those will probably see more shifts to keeping things very cosmetic and not about giving you the 3X lightsaber. Right. Instead, just letting you have the purple lightsaber sort of thing. But what I could see happening is those companies also taking and going, well, hey, here's our newest blank game from Call of Trash Compactor 4 is coming out, and we're dropping it for a $40 price point. Mm. And then they've got the loots to make it up. 
And that right there would cancel out anything because everybody wouldn't care. They'd buy it because it's $20 cheaper than what it would have been at a normal price drop. That's interesting. I, I could see it, but they would, I think they would want analytics to show that they, it's actually, they'd sell so many more copies that they'd, it's the whole, will the tax cuts make us money in the long run? Will the, right. will shaving $20 and- result in uh, you know, an, an increased percentage wise in number of sales that you actually end up making more money. And I'm not sure if it would. I don't know. We've been at 60 for so long now. That's this, you know, 60. Well, and that's the thing today. is we're at 60, but that's why they're adding all these sales things in is because they really want them to be at 80. Yes. Because if, if they had kept up with inflation, it wouldn't be 60. Anymore. Right. But that's why I think if they go down to 40, I don't know if they're, Whatever new crates they put in, like the 3X lightsaber crate, I don't know that they'd sell enough of those with the new perks to offset. Well, let's just do cosmetic crates and keep it at 60. Yeah, I don't know. Because then there's, because there's so many people who buy the game who won't buy crates. Mm-hmm. Like I've never bought a crate in Overwatch. I grind my crates like a man. I can't even say that. I, I, I dropped $15 on crates once. Mm-hmm. I had to make sure I got my my Junkenstein. I get pretty skin, sure, skin, sure, and uh, and so and I get you know I I get it, but there are probably a lot of people who are like me who just have never bothered to buy the crate, even though we we play the game, and so and that's you, know, and you want you people. want you want to squeeze me for as much money as you can, and you gotta get that for me. You gotta get it on the disc, right? You get me on the disc. But then I mean I mean it's this model's been working out pretty well for other like Rockstar. Sure. Rockstar after what happened when GTA five became GTA Online, uh, they flat out said that they're not ever putting out another game like the like the old ones. Everything's gonna be fully online all the time. The mm-hmm. new Red Dead's gonna be. Yep. I mean, that's going to be it makes them too much money from little extra stuff they can sell. Um I play uh, mobile games that are that live and die on the whale uh, concept, and I don't put any or very little money into any of them. And this is something that started even back in the day, back when I was buying stuff for wargaming games. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely never going away. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So here we are at the end of the year. Disappointing games. What do you, what do you think? And you see here, it gets hard for me because I don't, I didn't play a lot of games that, <laughs> that came out in 2017. Well, that's the thing is I didn't play any games that came out in 2017 that were really disappointing. Right, me. right. I mean, if we want to say the most disappointing, let me start with the, the game I played this year that was the most disappointing to me was a 2016 game called Dishonored 2. I thought one, it was crashing. Constantly, I talked about it then. I can't believe a console game was that buggy with that many crashes. I hadn't seen that many bugs since Battlefield 4, which was a buggy mess. Uh, yeah. Uh, another stain on EA, which was too bad because the game itself was fun. Dishonored 2 was like that, but not fun. It was, I thought the mechanics were stiff. I couldn't, there were people who thought that was a game of the year in 2016. I did not see it. Uh, I think it was an, an aesthetic thing. Part of that People was People really like the aesthetics. Uh, and I thought the aesthetics of Dishonored 2 were way better than the first Dishonored, which really I found off-putting. But I enjoyed the gameplay in the first Dishonored. I did not like the gameplay very much in the second. It was a total slog for me. Uh, and then in terms of t- disappointing games in 2017, one, I had no interest in buying, but 
just noticing feedback from people who were excited. Destiny two. What I've see it, I've heard torn things on Destiny two, but most of it has been bad. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I hear it's a tight shooter. The mechanics are good. Bungie knows how to make the gameplay mechanics of moving your character and fighting fun. However, my understanding is the PvP is not nearly as good as it was in the first game. That it's whoever lands the first shot wins. Is That's the PvP now. And they have been so slow to develop raid content. And it was so quick. Co- common complaint of MMOs. But it was so quick to get through all the story stuff. And then their very first like DLC raid stuff they put out wasn't good. Or at least the first event wasn't good. So there's been a lot of really negative feedback that this, it's like they didn't learn anything from the first Destiny. Yeah. They made, they made things that were great worse and they didn't fix all the things that were bad. So overall, well, I'm sure from a bottom line standpoint, it has been very good for, for, uh, Bungie. Uh, I, I can't based off of everything I've seen. There was so much hype for this game. I just don't think it can be labeled as anything other than a disappointment. Probably the biggest disappointment of the year, aside from Mass Effect Andromeda. I was going to put Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> I wondered if you would. So I, I have not played it either. I've not played it either. Mass Effect but Clayface. They killed Mass Effect. Yes. They, the Mass Effect Andromeda was so bad and set a whole bunch of stuff up for sequels, but everything about it went so bad. That they literally were just like, what, what Mass Effect, as they're pulling the knife across the throat and hiding the body in the shadows. We didn't put out a Mass Effect game this mm-hmm. year. I don't know what you're talking sure. about. And There's it, no more Mass Effect games coming out. Yeah. And uh, EA, again, as and while it may not have been Montreal's uh, fault for a lot of the issues that they ran into, like being required to use the Frostbite 3 engine, and yeah. that's why the clay faces are clay facey, and, <laughs> and they had a lot of trouble with getting that to work with an RPG and all that. So I don't want to throw the developers fully under the bus, though I do think, unlike some entities have claimed, I do think there's some developer culpability here. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like to say it's a, let's us blame the filthy pr- publisher, but I will blame EA for their nasty habit of the moment there's a bad game, they just close a studio. Yeah. And that's what they did here. That's like, exactly gone, what they did. Dead. Killed you off. Kill them off. They I failed mean, us. There are, there are games out there that have, well, like we see in pinball, there are games out there that aren't that great, but once they've had some time to get some code revisions in, they're, they're fine. Man, EA doesn't even, tr- nope, dead. Or it'd be like, if a, de- if a designer has a bad game, you're not allowed to make a pinball game again. I, I don't know if it was Charlie or who, but just because I don't like Rob Zombie doesn't mean I don't want them to have the opportunity to do another right. game uh, as a, from a development standpoint. Or not, you know, you, right. not, not every game is going to be gold, and the desire yeah. for every game to be gold is a re- is the reason we're at Call of Duty 437 sure. World War II again. Yes, <laughs> and. Why the once certain series they they lock themselves into a niche? That's why we're at uh, Assassin's Creed. Oh my God, we've caught up almost to modern times. Let's go back even farther than we were originally. Uh, and, yeah, and and, and the, to like, the origins, origins. So, uh, how about top games? Top games. Now, I have played several games that were new this year. I'm going. I'm I'm torn, and this is me. I'm going to, so I'm going to separate this into two sections, my top game. Oh, wow. My 
game that I think is the prettiest and that I think is probably has the, and definitely has the best story and is the most engaging to people who aren't crazy like I am. Mm. Any guesses? Horizon. No, it's Breath of the Wild. Oh. Which beat out Horizon for everything. It was at the Game yep. Awards. So too. it should have beat out my guess. Yeah. So yeah, Breath of the Wild. I just forgot because it was so new. Because you, it was last episode you were really talking. Oh uh, yeah, Breath I just, and I've been, I've been, I've been loving this game. Um, okay. Well, it makes sense. I've only heard good things. But because of my craziness, the other game that just came out this year that I've spent, I'd have to look on Steam. I know I'm up over a hundred hours on it already. Maybe coming up on two hundred by now. Cold Waters. Cold Waters, yep. Old school Cold War era submarine combat. Yeah, I can't. That's a game that I will pick up and start playing randomly just for it, it, it is my, I don't want to say it's my light level game, it, but it is something that doesn't require me to be too buried into. It's, for me, it's a real, it's super relaxing. Mm, okay. Where like Breath of the Wild, you're doing stuff, you're trying to remember stuff, you're running on your quest and you're paying attention. You're, you're, I say paying attention, like I'm not paying attention when I play Cold Waters, but it's a different type of attention. It requires a different level of, uh, 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 you're thinking differently. And Cold Waters is a game. If I'm not really wrapped up into it, I'll start up. I'll play some Cold Waters, and if I screw something up, oh well, I'll start another one. It's just kind of a. It's be for me. Cold Waters would be more like dropping quarters into a pinball machine. Oh, I had a bad game. Where you don't. Where you're much more invested in in like uh, Breath of the Wild or like like when Fallout came out and you were playing and playing Fallout or playing the Skyrim or a Witcher. Uh, which I own now and I need to play. I haven't actually even started it, but I bought it at the last sale. Mm. Um, it's a good game. I've heard that. Everyone says it's a good game, but I've still not started it because now I'm playing Breath of the Wild. But I'd say those are my two. Breath of the Wild for look, story, and all that. And Cold Waters because Cold Waters can be simultaneously really, really relaxing and super tense in a way that just flows. And, you know, when you're dodging attacks by enemy, by enemy surface ships and submarines and this and that, it'll be, you can be fun or it can be super tense and it can be insane. And it's got the, it's a game that's got those moments where sometimes you'll slip out of something. You just want to jump out of the chair and cheer and be like, yeah, did you see that? Nobody saw that. Nobody cares. Sad. Okay. Well, those make sense for you. Definitely. Uh, okay. Well, I have played a few now, especially these last few weeks or a few days, uh, that were 2017. Uh, my number one highlight pick will be Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Yeah. It's such a worthy successor to the first game. Uh, the story, it's, it's good. It's so well written, despite how crazy it is. And I know I'd mentioned how crazy it started to get. It got way worse. I've heard Uh, that it gets, oh my gosh, it gets so ridiculous, but it's, you know, then they have like hu- even humorous moments, but they also play it so serious at times. And it just, it works really well. The dialogue and the interaction between the characters is so solid that that's why I, I put it up there. It's just, and it's a blast to play. It, the mechanics still feel good, just like they did on, on the first one. And 
it just it puts you in a lot of different scenarios. It's got a lot of interesting challenges. There's a lot of meat there for it being single player. Yeah. If you want, there's a lot of things you can work on. The other game though I wanna I wanna throw out there, also a single player experience. It's Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. I've heard really good it things is about it. The scariest Resident Evil game I have ever played. Did you make sure to only play it at night? Not at the very end, but I played the first two acts. You were acts. scared of the I played the, the, the first act is the worst, and I played it at night. And I did stop once. And I was just like, okay, that's that's enough. We're going to stop right now. I, I Yeah, I actually, I think I limited myself to screaming out loud two or three times. <laughs> when I just, oh, those cheap jump scares. Just like, just, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. Um and I'm not an old school Resident Evil player. The oldest one I played is Code Veronica. Uh, and I have not finished that one. I've played four, five, six. Which was the co-op one we played? Was that six? We did five. 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 Right, five. Four is where they did the transition to being the much more mobile, uh, more action-oriented survival yeah. horror. They're all still – some people think they, they weren't survival horrors anymore. They all still required extreme animal management and stuff until you unlock like all the you know, yeah. overpowered stuff to go get through all the difficulties. This, though, first-person perspective, uh, extremely limiting. So you still got all the survival horror mechanics. There's a lot of evasion that's required, especially early on. Uh, the story's good. The dialogue's good. Uh, and it's actually scary. It's it just it, and so it just it, it ticks all those boxes. I kept thinking it was over, and it wasn't over. There's more and more. Uh, you still got you know you got crazy boss fights that can be hard to figure out. Um, and there's a lot there's a lot between the lines if you go and you investigate and read the reports and letters on desks and stuff to learn what's going on faster than what the story's telling you yeah. to try and understand exactly what. All this is because in a lot of ways, if it didn't say Resident Evil, you might not think that it's a Resident Evil game at all. Not until really the end where they throw in some cameos of some known characters. Wesker! Uh, no, no Wesker. <clears throat> Too bad. I knew he didn't die when we dropped him in the volcano. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people hated Resident Evil 5. I really enjoyed it. It's, such, it's a really good co- – that was the first co-op one. And it's uh, really good. That was back when we actually had the ability to play through games co-op. Because we had time and, we had time. and, and, yeah. and, and, and the like. But anyway, so, so just not, it's a little too, le- the gameplay, it's a survival horse type. I, it's a little more, to me, it's more enjoyable to go and shoot and stuff in Wolfenstein, but oh gosh, it's so, to me, it's so rare for Capcom to get it right anymore, uh, but you they have- did with this. They really did. Well, that's it. We made it through our year end review. All right. And we'll probably talk about our, our start of our uh, second year of podcasting here when we next episode or the episode after our start, start of the third year, actually, end of the second year. Yeah. It probably, well, we'll probably do it on the next one, I think, but. I also, I'll tell, I'll talk all about these games that I didn't touch on. I didn't talk about Halo Wars or anything. Uh, and that go a little bit more into Resident Evil as well, but. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. You can always reach out to the show, uh, facebook.com slash eclectic gamers podcast, or you can send us an email, eclectic gamers podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll see everyone in two weeks. So goodbye. Bye. I'll probably be at war with Russia again. <laughs>